you all today. Thank you for being here. Um, we are getting together uh, as part of a set of podcasts focused on Mercersburg Academy students and the election of 2020. And uh, I have a group here of uh, six students. Um, uh, Maddie, can you start by introducing yourself and just giving your name, where you're from in the world, and uh, then we'll move along and I'll call out your name to have you, in oh, introduce yourself. And I will say, I will introduce myself at the end. Go ahead. Um, hi, I'm Maddie. Um, I live in Saudi, but I am from Minnesota and Wisconsin. Clara. My name is Clara Getty and I'm a senior from Allentown, Pennsylvania. Dylan. Hi everyone. My name is Dylan Gant and I'm a senior from Atlanta, Georgia. Elizabeth. My name is Elizabeth Flaherty and I'm from Needmore, Pennsylvania. Karina. Hi, I'm Karina. I'm a junior from Boiling Springs, Pennsylvania. And Avo. Hi, I'm Avo Reed and I'm a junior from McLean, uh, Virginia. And I am Allison Stevens, teacher of history and often English as well at Mercersburg Academy. And we're here with these students because they have been active on campus this year, working with each other to um, build awareness in students and generate participation. And I will uh, let them tell you more about that. So I would like to start with the question that I will open to the floor. Why is it important for you to be politically engaged at Mercersburg? And I'll let anybody give a start. So I think it's important for students to be politically active at Mercersburg um, because even though we can't, some of us can't vote yet, it's still important to educate ourselves on policies and the candidates that we could possibly be voting for in the future and just sort of taking steps to educate other students. Yeah, I think also there can be a feeling of not being able to do anything, especially being in the Mercersburg bubble, as we kind of call it. It's really easy to just kind of shut politics out and just focus on schoolwork and friends and not really the outside world, which can be really nice at some points. But in a really important and crucial election like this year, it's really important to remember that there is a whole other world out there. So, um, I think it's really important because um, whether it's like at Mercersburg itself or just like in life in general, um, like Karina said, I think it's really important to know what's going on just because politics, um, especially like with this upcoming election, affect all of us, um, whether like doesn't matter like um, any age or like area, like um, it's like our country. And even though we can't, well, some of us can't vote now. Um, I think it's important to know just what's happening and to educate yourself so that when it does come time to vote, then uh, you know more about what's going on. Yeah, and I'd like to build on that point um, in that I kind of got more engaged in 2016, the last election, because I knew that I'd be able to vote in this one. Um, and I think that it's definitely important to start early. Um, and for a lot of for a lot of students, it's it's good to kind of start focusing on the issues now and start learning now. That way, you know, in four years, um, you know, it's not the first time that you've ever, you know, read an article about, you know, a political controversy. Um, it's not the first time that you've looked at something about international relations and how they affect your country. Um, it's something that you've been doing for multiple years. And so you're already pretty versed in the, in the topics and you know who to vote for based on, you know, the policies that they're, um, that they're creating. And I think that that's just, you know, so crucial to 
kind of a healthy democracy and just like a healthy um, student population. I agree with what Clara said. It's really easy being here in the Merchantsburg bubble to think of politics in abstract terms and think of voting as something to do because it is the thing to do when you're 18. But we forget that we, when we vote, our vote is being cast into a real pool of real people that affects real results in our actual lives. Um, and I also agree with what Dylan said. It's, it's great to get involved earlier because, I mean, history often repeats itself sooner rather than later. Um, even in four-year cycles, it's nice to like read articles. When I, I mean, I was about 14 the last election um, and I read articles and it was really abstract and didn't understand it. And now as I read them again this year, I'm harking back to what I learned reading then and I can make more informed decisions. I also definitely agree with that being informed because if you do want your voice to be heard, you do have to know the facts and it's really important to know, I think Dylan said this, to know the policies and the opinions of the person you're voting for because they are the people that are making um, the change. So the choices that we make today in our government can help shape our um, futures. Well, that's great. And I think you guys have really set me up for the next questions because I'm really interested. Um, you know, a lot of times adults like to tell students how to think about the world or what's important, but I'm really interested in hearing about the issues that are most important to you as teenagers, as young adults, as you consider who will lead the country. I would say to me in like a broad term, I would say um, just making um, and enforcing like equity over like equality because um, especially now, like as high school students, we don't know where we're going to end up in life. And um, there's so many things that follow under equity between like healthcare, um, education, women's rights, um, black rights, LGBTQ plus rights, any of that stuff. Um, I think it's to me like that's something that's really important because um, just making sure that like everyone is involved in um, what's going on and everyone has a say and everyone has an opinion and that like everyone feels like they are just as just as much a part of the country than anyone else is. Um, so I'd say like to me, just making sure that everyone feels that they have equal opportunities is really important. Yeah, kind of going off of that, one of my biggest values that I look for in a candidate is empathy, because I honestly believe that you cannot have sound policies and programs without feeling empathetic for the people you are serving. And for the wide range of people, and like Maddie said, building that equity instead of equality is super important. So although it's not necessarily an issue, I think it's definitely an important trait that a president or a leader needs to have. For me, yeah. I... Oh, I'm sorry. You, you go, Elizabeth. Go ahead. For me, um, the most important issues probably deal with the economy, especially for the middle class. I'm really passionate about um, job opportunities, I think are really important and small businesses to give everyone like an opportunity to be successful, um, making sure that the unemployment rate does become lower and less people are um, below the poverty line. Um, border security is also really important to me. And I think that um, we should have the necessary funding for our first responders and for security, I'm sorry, border security. And just because I think that our one of our top priorities should be keeping our country safe, especially all of the citizens we have inside of it. Um, 
And then I definitely think staying true to our amendment rights is really crucial and we should not um, have those taken away from us. Yeah, and I'd like to add on a little bit to um, both of those previous statements um, kind of surrounding how, you know, since I'm a senior, I've, you know, really had to become a little bit more pragmatic in the way I look at the world, unfortunately. Um, and that, in, a, in that, I think is, you know, like paying for college, you know, jobs after college and how that world is going to look in four years when I'm there. And I think that as I'm kind of searching for who I want to lead me in the country, um, it, it kind of comes down to the people that I think will open up those opportunities. Um, you know, kind of like what Elizabeth said with, you know, the job opportunities, having, you know, more jobs for young people, um, and having, you know, good paying jobs for young people. Right. And I think that that's just a really important topic that, you know, I've had to kind of focus a little bit more on as a senior, as someone who's about to enter college, um, and hopefully in the workforce in a couple of years. Looking into college affordability is a really important, like a specific important issue to me. And in this uh, election, I've been like researching both perspectives, both candidate sides, sort of weighing their opinions because that's something that really directs to, directly relates to all high school students in the coming years that we'll have to deal with. So that's what I've been looking into recently. Unlike Dylan, I still have a year of blissful ignorance because I'm a junior, so I don't really have to worry about that one yet. Um, from where I stand, I really appreciate the ability to have civil discourse. Um, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but there's so much talk about like the parties are split more than they've been since the sixties and yada, 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 yada. Like your political affiliation is like a life or death matter. And you can't have friends who don't think the same way you do. I, there was a question in the 2016 presidential debate where someone asked Trump and Hillary to say something nice about each other. Um, I would like to hear something like that again. And I would like to have a debate where the mics don't have to be muted so candidates don't talk over each other. Um, and the candidates I look for are those who, like, I forget who said empathy, but not only empathize with the people they're serving, but the people they're running against. Because hopefully both candidates have the interests of the same people in their minds. I mean, the people are the employers of the president. Um, so I really appreciate that. Great. That's, that's, you guys inspire me. Thank you. Um, and so go, the going with that, what does it feel like right now to be having these conversations at Mercersburg? How, how are the students doing with civil discourse, with really being able to talk about concrete things? You know, we had a viewing last night of the debate, and it was really great to see how many people turned out and uh, how many people really seemed to be watching and paying attention to what was going on. Um, so, yeah, tell me, what, what are those conversations like at Mercersburg right now? I think this year people have been much more engaged than I've ever seen. Um, and I think that's a really good thing. I think it's really positive. Um, and I think in part it's due to the fact that there's been so much talk of, you know, go out and vote, get educated, you know, do all these things to really know what's going on in the world. And I think there's so much of that going around that people really do want to know. Um, and, you know, people really do want to watch the, uh, you know, presidential and vice presidential debates because they know they want to know what these people are thinking. Um, even if they're not, you know, 100% sure what they're even talking about, they want to know what these guys are saying. And I think that that's a really, you know, powerful thing, uh, to witness is, you know, the level of interest really spiking. Um, and I hope it, I hope it stays like that. 
Yeah, it's been really good to see everyone having these conversations on campus and going to events like the debate viewing last night, because it's important to start having these conversations now with students, like respectfully and with the help of teachers, because then you can learn how to have these sort of conversations in the real world when you're an adult in the workplace and learning how now in high school, how to respectfully um, sort of agree to disagree, respect each other's opinions and sort of communicate, learn how to communicate now so you can take those skills when you're an adult and respect each other's opinions then as well. Yeah, I think it's especially funny looking back like four years ago, obviously I was in eighth grade um, and I would have political debates with people and basically just not, neither of us would have sound evidence because we just didn't, we, like we were saying before, like we just, it was also new to us. We didn't really understand like what the deeper meaning behind each side really was. Um, so definitely having those like, conversations with actual evidence and like reasons why you're supporting one person or another it has been actually really helpful and much more um just much just easier to um to have them to have those discussions because you know that both sides are actually bringing solid points to the table so it's been really refreshing um, I completely agree. It's really great to see everyone contributing on campus and um, wanting to learn more and wanting to get educated and find stuff out. And I think it's been especially important, um, just like because of such the broad perspective that um, you get um, in a place like Mercersburg, because you have people from all different um, economic statuses and, you know, people from all over the world and just people from different backgrounds and uh, where they grew up and stuff. And I think that really shapes um, people's political views. So I think um, just for people to really stay open-minded, um, whether you agree with someone or not, and just be able to have these civil conversations like Karina was saying is really important. And I think I've been seeing a lot of that this year, which I think is really good. I actually have very mixed feelings about having conversations about politics at Mercersburg. My views do differ from, I would say most of the student body and a lot of times I do feel like people aren't willing to always actively listen to my opinion and try to shut down my views. This doesn't always happen. Like I've had conversations where people are like, no, that's dumb. Like that's racist. Like just throwing out any word they can think of just because they don't agree with me. And then I've had other conversations with people that disagree with me. And they ask me like, can you just like explain to me, like, why do you think that? Like what shaped your opinion? And I definitely think you need to go more towards that question than the other one. If you actively want to actively, yeah, engage in a conversation and you do want to be open-minded. Um, I think maybe like Avo said this earlier, but people at Mercersburg, the students, I think definitely one of the most important things is to get to know the students as individuals and people before you judge them based off of their political views, because your political view doesn't make up your whole identity. Great. Avo, did you want to say something? Yeah, one thing that I really appreciated among students, um, well, first, a lot of the time, I think discussions just ring around, like say the safe thing. Um, and, and oftentimes when I'm in a group and politics comes up, I can see in like one or two kids' eyes that there's something behind there and they want to say, but they don't. Um, but I really appreciate when kids are like, I just don't know enough about this issue to make a comment. Um, and I mean, we're 14, 15, 16 or 15. Yeah. However old you are in high school, we're really young. We're like, 
it's okay to say that you don't know. And I really appreciate when people do that. Um, not only like, not only be open-minded to other opinions, but to realize you don't have enough information to form a rational one. Great. Um, and, and do you guys see, are there issues out there or is there an issue that you could imagine um, your generation, your group of students at Mercersburg really coming together, not because you see things the same way, because it's important enough for you guys to pitch in your efforts to try to figure out. Do you see, do you see any issues that seem to, be, to have the potential to bridge some of that? I think a huge one now that a lot of people are talking about is climate change, because um, like I know, like I've talked to people of different parties and different backgrounds. And like, I think that a lot of people agree that it is an issue that like we have to deal with because it is like happening and it affects everybody. So I think that like, that's one thing that a lot of people, especially in our generation are wanting to come together on and solve um, so that it can be fixed, um, before it gets too bad, if it's not past that point already. Something like 85% of Americans think that Americans are more politically divided now than they were 50 years ago. And like 75% of those people think that that's a problem. Um, so, I mean, we may not be able to agree on anything at all, but we can agree that we don't agree and that not being able to see each other's points is a problem. And like conversations like this, like we're having right now. Like Elizabeth said, being able to be open-minded to someone's opinion is a ginormous leap into closing that gap. I also think like one of the most ironic parts about politics is that everyone knows that, you know, the solution's in the middle and the solution is built on compromise. But when, when politicians are at work, it's like they're not even, not even trying to, you know, really go towards the middle. And I think that that's definitely, you know, especially in, you know, an issue like um, such as, you know, healthcare, um, you know, that's somewhere that the middle is, you know, where the solution is found. Um, and, you know, also in the environment, right. And the solution is, you know, slowly moving towards a better future for the United States, for the world, slowly moving towards green, you know, renewable energy slowly. Um, and I think that that's, you know, the sort of compromise that I hope that, you know, the next generation can kind of realize more fully is that, you know, re reaching across the aisle is so important and so crucial. Um, and we have to talk, you know, we can't be like President Trump and Nancy Pelosi and ha not have talked for 100 days. Like, it's not, it's not how it's not how the government works. You have to talk to get things done. You have to, you know, you know, engage in dialogue, respectful dialogue, that's also meaningful. And it really, you know, makes things happen. Yeah, kind of going off of that, I truly hope in hopefully the near future that there will be more presidential candidates who are more moderate and that I feel like people have forgotten that there is no perfect candidate and that like on both sides, it's like, yeah, I don't like them, but I'm still voting for them. And that's normal because there is no perfect candidate. And I think we've lost like a sense of finding a president or a leader who will help both sides and is for both sides. And even though they may, they may say that they are, I don't know if that's necessarily true. So I think going forward, I hope that going off of what Dylan said, we can go more towards the middle. So even if there's a candidate that can do that. Okay. Um, I definitely think that with the whole coronavirus pandemic, 
Oh, were you going to say something, Ms. Stevens? Okay. Um, I definitely think with the whole coronavirus pandemic, especially college and high school students, we realize how important it is to wear masks because we don't want our schools to be shut down. We don't want to go back into quarantine and we don't want to have our economy go into like a crash. So I definitely think like mask wearing, social distancing has become so important to our generation because we realize what it's like to be inside, not to see our friends. And we want to have our small businesses continue to be successful and not have to close down and not have to fire employees. I agree. I think that the one of the reasons why Republicans and Democrats are f- so far split is because, I mean, since the last 50 years, issues have become more and more about boiling down to just raw moral questions. Like, Dylan, I agree with you in the sense that change comes from compromise, but it's really hard for someone who believes, like, in either side very intensely to do that because, like, that's that's your moral conviction. That's the way that you think the world should move forward. And it's it, a lot of times it's options that aren't reconciliable to each other. Like, should the Constitution be interpreted literally or with the intention of the founding fathers? There's a million questions like this. And I agree that change happens when that happens, but staying true to your ideological beliefs is important to making your voting decisions as well. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I also think that it's important to hear out when you're sort of trying to make a compromise, it's important to hear the points of the other side and sort of put yourself in their shoes to see their perspective a little bit too. Even if you may not necessarily agree, it's important to sort of see every side and see every perspective to get as much knowledge as you can to base your own opinion and pursue that opinion opinion respectfully and sort of create a compromise in the sense of creating compromise when you're having discussions like this in high school or when you're looking at political candidates also trying to find compromise on bigger issues. Okay, I'm gonna ask the last question. And this is totally a setup, uh, but I warned you. So as a history teacher, I'm really interested in knowing if there's anything you have learned or learned about in class at Mercersburg that has helped to shape your thinking and your actions as an American citizen? Um, One thing, not necessarily a specific point I learned was sort of like going off of what uh, Avo said earlier about learning about history to make sure history doesn't repeat itself, but even though it often does. So looking back sort of to the context of situations and how things sort of went wrong to see where we can prevent that in the future and just seeing sort of just how basically the context of political events to see how we can prevent. I think one of the biggest moments, you know, when I was going through Mercersburg was last year in 11th grade um, in American studies, I did research on um, the invasion of Iraq and kind of the like underlying reasons why that happened. And that kind of made me think a lot about how, you know, one president or, you know, you know, how our government affects the world. And it's not just, you know, we're not just electing a president that affects our country. You know, we're electing a president, we're electing members to Congress who change the world, right? And how, you know, those events shape the world we live in now. And, um, and I think that that's, you know, definitely a moment, definitely something that I learned um, and through that research, um, and through, you know, reading about how it was the oil that kind of like fueled our, you know, mission into Iraq, 
Um, and I think that that, you know, that sparked my curiosity into how, you know, how our government affects other governments, how our government affects, you know, global relations and international politics. I think also kind of going back to what Ava said a little while ago, that these moral fundamental arguments that make up political issues have been going on in our country and I guess our world too for years and years and years. And so obviously being 17, it may seem like so new and like these issues have, are like, like it's just so new and different and like, oh, like people are actually talking about this now. This seems so relevant, but like this has actually been going on for decades. And it honestly, a lot of the same issues have been debated for decades and just haven't been resolved. So I think just having that understanding that this has been going on for so long, this political different political debates, specific ones have been going on for so long, is just really interesting. In class, I one thing that I've been stressed in my past few years in history um, is looking at the whole issue, or if it's like a specific person, looking at the whole person and recognizing the good and bad in those situations. Or if you're talking about like U.S. history, looking at both parties and looking at the good and the bad of each party and recognizing that, that there is no like perfect candidate, there's no perfect person, there's no perfect policy, that there are mistakes made even by the people who are in the highest positions of power in our country. And we have to sort of look at their mistakes to pursue the, our goals in the future. Um, I was just going to say that I think I've learned two main lessons while at Mercersburg, and one of them was from Quinn Ferguson. Um, yay, Quinn Ferg. Um, I've definitely learned that we need to actively discuss the traditions, cultures, languages, and richness of an individual's heritage because these like key characteristics really makes up a person's identity. And they help define and shape who many people are in our country. So if we can better understand each other through these ways, then we're going to be more compassionate and more tolerant towards one another. I've also learned that you do have to lead with curiosity. You can't just shut someone down because they disagree with you. You have to ask questions to actually dive deeper in and see how they think so you can be in like an open-minded thinker. Um, I've also learned that many people's opinions do are developed from their past experiences. I think most individuals don't just have an opinion because they just like thought of it one day. They had to have an experience or have like they had to go through something to develop that thinking. I this is my first year at Mercedesburg and I haven't actually taken a history class here yet. Um, but something that I learned last year taking a push, and I know this isn't the most popular point to make, but kind of clearing the star spangled fog that I think a lot of us were raised in, but then reconciling that, reconciling that with being able to be proud of where I live. Um, and realizing like in a lot of ways, America is not like the shining beacon of hope and freedom throughout its history that I thought it was, um, and reading, reading the history of America and seeing the issues that repeat themselves and seeing the things that still come up today that have come up 50 years ago, 100 years ago, um, and, and taking that with a grain of salt, being able to still move forward and vote on these issues. And I mean, quote Winston Churchill, democracy is the worst form of government except for all of the other ones. Um, so just embracing that and casting your vote with confidence. Um, I'd say my answer is like a very um, combined answer of everyone else's. 
Um, I have, um, I'd say my answer is very similar to um, Dylan's in the way that last year in Human Geo, um, definitely like learning um, just like how America's and like how Americans politics and Americans leaders affect the world and the issues that are faced in the world. And um, like Avo said, um, just like how the U S is good at doing a lot of things. Um, but there are countries that do better at it and there are countries who do worse at it. And so just recognizing the strengths and weaknesses in, um, in every country. Um, but like knowing that, um, the U S isn't the best at everything and, um, making sure to think about that in some issues is like important. Well, you guys, we are just about out of time here. And um, I really appreciate your being here. And I hope we can kind of continue this conversation sometime. Maybe we'll have a round two after the election and see what happens. That could be fun. Um, thanks very much. Have a great weekend, whatever a weekend is in these days. And I will see you around. <laughs>